You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Thank you guys who are streaming from home. Glad you're all here. Um, before we jump in, uh, just an opportunity for us, and this is a su- super significant, I think. We want to seize the time uh, that God has given us. And so uh, we have an opportunity in light of COVID um, to really have an impact on this neighborhood. And so if you have kids in the uh, Chatham County School District, you know that it's, it's, it's really challenging right now. They are not going back. It'll be virtual. And, and for this neighborhood, there are s- several families that this is an impossibility to have online school. There's single moms. There's one family that has six different kids, six different uh, classes, grades, uh, working. I mean, I don't know how anybody is expected to do it. And so what we're going to do is we are going to be the church in this neighborhood. We've been talking about it. And so now is your chance to, to do it. And we are going to basically have, I mean, we're not starting a school, but it's going to be CBC Academy in essence uh, for the next however long where we are going to come alongside these parents and help their kids get through the school day. Now, I don't know how I couldn't sit in front of a computer for seven hours and watch class. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but God bless them. I can't sit for 30 minutes in front of a computer, but that's just me. But we're going to come alongside. It's going to take a lion's force to do this because there's 30 plus kids in this neighborhood. And if there's an opportunity for us to help some of our people that may be struggling um, as as far as that goes, we want to be able to do that. So what it's going to take is about 35 to 40 of us a day uh, if we break it into two-hour shifts. Okay, now if you take a four-hour shift, it's less. Um, but what we would, and what would be awesome is if you're like, man, I got margin, I'll do Thursdays. If you take all day and be Thursday person. And, and so we're going to use this building and that building and every room we can, and we're gonna make them socially distanced and all the stuff that the county wants. And, and my prayer for us is that we will not have any kid that doesn't wanna be here here. And then our kids are gonna be like Daniel. They're gonna stand out because we're rocking it right? And they're not going to want to go back to school. They're going to go back to school. We're not going to do this forever. But I, I just think it's a great opportunity for us, y'all. And so if you have margin where you can be like, hey, I got two hours a week to give. I could do that. I got four hours. I got Tuesday mornings. I got Friday afternoons. Please uh, go to the website. There's a banner there. Click on it. We're going to start, they start in like a week and a half. And you don't have to teach. It's not teaching. The teaching is online, but you're going to be facilitating. We're going to feed them lunch every day. They're going to be here from but a normal school day, 7 to 3.30-ish, I think is when it is. So if you can do that, uh, or if you have a specialty in any of those areas, we have some folks that are, that are man, come talk to us. Uh, we would love to utilize you and your gifts in this season. It is gonna be great. I think it's gonna be great gospel opportunities for us, y'all. I really, really do. And that's what we're talking about, so be in the church. All right, turn to Luke chapter 12. I get to finish this deal up today with a topic that no one likes to talk about, but I don't care because I don't care about talking about anything. I, I ain't afraid. I've been doing this long enough. Uh, you know me, I, I love, uh, obviously I love movies. One of the kind of the, the genres I love or the, the kind of movies is, I love time travel movies. Just love it. I'm Uncle Rico. Go back to 84, win the championship, right? That's me. But there's just something about the concept of time travel, Right? That I just, I just love those movies. And, and usually, like, you know, Back to the Future, Terminator, whatever, um, Avengers, you, the idea is you use time travel to your advantage, right? So if you come from the future to the past, you somehow are going to change the past so that your future is changed. Or if you know what's going to happen, so if you're Back to the Future Part 2, which is the lesser known Back to the Future because it stinks, but anyway, uh, so Biff, 
who's the protagonist, gets the almanac with all the sporting events and he goes back to his younger Biff and he hands it to the younger Biff so that the younger Biff will gamble on all these events and become rich. So the idea is you take advantage of what you know is going to happen, right? Terminator knows Sarah Connor is gonna have John Connor who's gonna beat the Terminator. So, so they go back to try to change. The idea is you know what's gonna happen so it changes your present reality. Now, sadly, for some of us, time travel is not possible, right? It's not. But here's what is possible. I know the future. I know what's gonna happen. Some things, anyway. I don't know who. I know the Phillies and the Braves are not gonna win the World Series this year. I can tell you that right now. Um, But beyond that, I can tell you what is going to happen. And in light of what is going to happen, I can tell you how to change and impact your future if you'll take advantage of it now. You say, how can I do that? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna finish up and talk about our last speck as we've been walking through what it means to be a follower. How do we follow Jesus? How do we help others follow Jesus? And we have five core values we've been working through, our specs, scripture, prayer, engaged community, and today, stewardship, right? Stewardship, which is a fancy word for meaning you're a manager. You have, everything you have is on loan from God, your time, your treasure, your talents, And it is your job to manage it in a way that brings honor to him. That's what a steward is. That's what you are. And when we talk about stewardship, we usually break it into three kind of big picture, time, treasure, talent. We've talked about time and we've talked about talent a lot. I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna zoom in today on the treasure piece, which is money, which I know some of you, if you're visiting or you're watching online, you're like, oh, church always talks about money. I can't even remember last time I talked about money because I don't talk about money hardly ever. But Jesus talks about money, and so I'm gonna talk about money. And this, by the way, is not a fundraising effort because we're not fundraising for anything. We are fine financially. We're not worried, we're not spazzing. We're, we're out of debt. We're being generous. We're giving money away. So this has nothing to do with, please, we need your money. It has everything to do with discipleship. This is a follower issue. Right, this is a significant follower issue. So we are going to talk about it today. Uh, And Jesus is not afraid of it, and neither am I. So Luke chapter 12. And what I I wanna do is, I'm gonna give you four big picture ideas about stewardship in regards to money, and then can can I give you some direction, right? So maybe some practical application. So we're gonna move kind of quick. Chapter 12 of Luke is really, the whole passage is really about stewardship and finances. There's, you know, I'm not gonna have the, we're gonna jump in on verse 32, but it starts out, you know, this guy stands up and says, Jesus, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And Jesus is like, I ain't touching that. But then he tells a parable about a guy who has some barns. He's like, I don't like these barns. I want bigger barns. So I'm gonna build bigger barns. And he builds bigger barns. And then God says, you're a fool. You're dead tonight. Boom, your barns are someone else's. And then he tells us not to worry and not stress about food and what to wear because God closes the lilies and he feeds the ravens. So what are you worried about? He talks about that. And then he, he says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and, and all these things will be added to you. And then we jump in in verse 32. He says this, stay dressed for action. Excuse me, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, you don't need to be afraid. And I love the language. It's, it's just it's fatherly dad, arm around his kid. Maybe it's a thunderstorm at night and the kid's scared. He's like, don't be afraid, buddy. Little flock. It's a tender term. Why? Because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your dad is delighted. He is pleased to give. And that word in the original language is a completed action. It's already done. Your dad has given you already the kingdom. So what are you worried about? It's okay. 
It's, it's, just, it's comforting. And in light of that, verse 33, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. It's a radical thought. Sell your stuff and give it away. And, and the idea here is not, okay, well, that means we just have to all sell our homes, get on eBay today, sell everything we got, let's go live out in the field, all right? That's not the point, right? There's nothing wrong if you have a home, there's nothing wrong if you have a car, there's nothing wrong if you have a boat, whatever. The point is this, and, it, and this is kind of my first big idea, um, is that stewards are unattached. Stewards are unattached, right? They're not worried about stuff here, Right? And because they're not, they're saying, okay, I have it or I don't have it. It, it, it. I'm free to give it away. Right? They're not attached. See, the problem with attached, getting attached to stuff, is, y'all, it's sand through the fingers. It's arranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. It's going down. I know you care a lot about your grandmother's dinner table that she gave to you. Your kids could care less. I'm just telling you, it's going to end up at goodwill, all right? No matter how, it's just the nature of human heart. And, and some of us have seen this. If you're old enough like me, you, you remember a time where you're like, if I just made $10,000 more, then everything would be unbelievable. I, we would be loaded, honey. We'd be rolling in it. And what happens? You end up getting $10,000 more and you're like, man, but if we just had another 10, then we would be that, right? You ever been there? I mean, how many times, right? Or you see at the kid's birthday party, right? Kids get 20 presents from all his friends. Ooh, the next day, mom, next year, I want to get this for my birthday. You just, you have 25 presents sitting right there. Why? Because it's, it's the next thing. I just want the little bigger home. We're living in the three, two. What if we got a three, three, right? Oh, isn't that great? Oh, but what if we then had, oh, we need a screen porch. Oh, we need a pool. We need a, a fountain. We need whatever. It's always the next thing, right? It's always the next step up. That car, that, that new brand new car you had to have, and then you had to have that moonroof because everyone looks at the moon when they're driving, right? Yeah. Isn't that great? I see the sky, right? You, had to, you paid $2,000 for that view, you had to have the leather seats that has the butt warmers because, you know, it's so cold in Savannah, right? But that car you were so excited about two years ago, and now the back seat is littered with sippy cups that are growing the, the, the cure for COVID, and you don't even know it in there. And it's not exciting anymore because it's a 2019, and the 21s are coming out. And the new iPhone has three cameras. That's better than your camera, do they even make cameras anymore? Normal cameras, right? The, there's a new set of Jordans. There's a new set of golf clubs. There's a new, it's a losing battle. And what Jesus is saying is stop. Stewards are unattached. That's the point. Stewards are unattached. And because you are, you're free to be generous. How, how do we be unattached? We be generous. We give it away. We're willing to, right? That's the first idea. And Jesus tells us why. Next verse, he says, here's why. For, circle that word. It's explanatory. It's what we call explanatory gar. For, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is, a, this is why we talk about this as a discipleship issue. This is not fundraising. This is not good budgeting. It is worship. 
because it's a hard issue. And that's the second point. Stewards are worshipers. You're worshiping something. The question is it. Your heart will follow your treasure, right? Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So your heart follows your treasure. Your wallet follows your heart, right? So that which you love, you will spend money on, right? So if you love technology, guess what's gonna happen? Boop. You love food, boop. It's just what it is. Nothing wrong with that. You love sports, boom, season tickets, whatever. But just that, it's a revealing thing. It shows you where your heart is. And Jesus reminds us that you can't serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There is a way in which money, it, it, it positions itself as master over your life, right? And a generous steward is not mastered by it. See, generosity is ultimately, it's, it's the symptom. It's not the disease. The disease is a healthy, joyful heart, right? So out of an outpouring of joy and healthiness, I'm generous. This is why when Paul addresses the Corinthian church, Corinthians were a richer church and they had promised to provide for the Jerusalem church, which was very poor and persecuted. And all these churches were pulling together money in Macedonia and all these places to send to Jerusalem to feed the people because they were being persecuted. And the Corinthians never followed through. So Paul in his second letter writes and would be like, oh, hey, checks in the mail, right? What's going on? But he reminds them, he says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God given among the churches of Macedonia. He says, first Baptist Macedonia, here, let me tell you what they did. In the middle of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, they are broke, but they overflowed in generosity. Why? Because of joy. Their joy is where they're at. They have a healthy heart. They are not attached. And so that because of that, they overflow in generosity. And Corinth, which is rich, is being stingy. And so he's reminding them that. And he says, they, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, beyond their means. And they're, they're begging to earnestly give, to be part of the relief. They wanna be part of that. They're excited about it. They're eager, they're cheerful. And he's trying to get the Corinthians. But the idea is it's a healthy heart because it's a worship issue. So the question you gotta ask when it comes to this is, what are you worshiping, right? What are you worshiping? So stewards are unattached. Stewards are worshipers. Let's continue in, in Luke. He says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The idea is you're ready for the boss to get there. And if he comes in the middle of the night or if he comes in the afternoon, he shouldn't be knocking on the door. Hey guys, let me in, it's me. You should be looking and when you see him coming up the driveway, you're like, woo, it's like my dog. He's waiting for me. Milton and now Maisie are waiting for dad to come home so they can welcome. That's the idea. You're waiting, you're ready Right, And he says the, res- the result of being ready is that you're blessed. Blessed are those servants. Happy, content, satisfied is the word. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and he will have them recline at the table and he will come and serve him. The idea is the master will treat the servant like family. That's a blessing. You're not, you're not my servant, you're my family. You are ready. You are waiting. And even if he comes in the second or the third watch, which is like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., which those of you with newborns, you're, you, you're familiar with that time. But he says, be ready at 2 a.m., be ready at 3 a.m., be ready whatever, right? Just like a master, he uses a, another example, just like a master of a house, if he had known what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. If he knows the thief's coming at 2.30, he's gonna be ready at 2.30. He says, you must be ready also. Why? The son of man is coming at an hour you don't expect. He says, you don't know when he's coming, so be ready, 
right? That's where blessing is. And I love Peter. Peter, you know, he just, in the middle of the sermon, has to say something. And he says, Lord, is this for us? Are you talking to me? No, you can't be talking to us, Lord, because us disciples, we've been with you. We're ready, right? And Jesus just kind of doesn't say anything. He doesn't answer. It's one of those times when you're like, Jesus doesn't say, well, there's no such thing as a dumb question because this is a dumb question, all right? So all he does is he answers his question with a question, which you hate when people do that, but that's what Jesus does constantly. So he answers his question by asking a question. He says, who is the faithful and wise manager? It's a good question. That word manager is our word steward, right? Who's the faithful steward? Who will the master set over his house to give the portion at the proper time? And here's his, again, blessed. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing so or working when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over possessions. Again, ready is blessed. Why? Because you don't know when he's coming. And then, but, on the flip side, if the servant says to himself, my master's delayed in coming, he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, the hour he does not know, and he'll cut him into pieces. Severe. And put him with the unfaithful. Right? He's, what is this? This guy's not acting like a servant. He's acting like the master. He's beating the slaves. He's doing these things. He's, he's treating people poorly. He's using the resources for himself. He says, that guy, I don't know that guy. He's unfaithful. And then for those who know the master's will, but did not get ready according or act according to his will, they're going to receive a severe beating. He says, ignorance, this is not ignorance. This is willful disobedience. You know the truth and you don't respond to the truth. Right? He said, that person's, gonna, that person's gonna be dealt with. He says, the one who did not know, okay, this is the one who is ignorant and did that which was wrong, deserved beating, will receive a light beating. Hey, what, is, what is all this beating and all this thing? Here's, here's the point. Here's what, how he closes. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. For him whom he trusted much, they will be demanded more. The idea is you are responsible for what you have and what you know, Right? That's, that's the idea. And if you, are the, if you were been given this, you're gonna be responsible for this. You've been given that, you're responsible for that. You know this, you're responsible for what you know. So you cannot walk out today and say, I didn't, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be a good steward. Now you know, right? So you can, unless you get up right now, and if you get up right now, everyone's gonna see you, so you're not gonna do it. Peer presser. But the idea is you are responsible for what God has given you. And, and the two big ideas here at the end of this whole little portion, this kind of section of the parable is this. Two things. Number one, or actually point number three, stewards will give an account. You one day will be given an account back to God for all the things he's given you. That's the point of stewardship and not ownership. It's, it's on loan. You will give an account for your time and for your treasure and for your talents, right? That's going to happen, okay? That's your future. You want me to tell you the future? That's going to happen. How do you know? Paul tells us. Jesus says you gotta be ready for the son of man. So the idea be ready. Paul says, we must all, including himself, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each one will receive what is due for what he has done in the body, good or evil. This is not a judgment for sin. Understand this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That has been paid for, done, dealt with at the cross. Praise God. That's not what's going on in 2 Corinthians 5. This is an evaluation of how then, as a follower of Jesus, you have lived your life, how have you used your time, your treasure, your talents. And then fire will test it and it'll be revealed that if it was good or, or wood, hay, and stubble of what you've built. Have you built upon the foundation of Christ or have you built upon the foundation of you? And there will be reward given. 
right? But you, it, this is going to happen. So you're going to be evaluated on your time. You got time galore. And you, do you ever serve anybody? Ever? Jump in a service team at any point. You just kind of come to church and leave and that's it. And that's about, how do you use your time? Are you on social media 17 hours a day? Like, 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 snap, 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 DM, 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 DM. Or have, do you spend any time in the word praying? Right? With your talents. God made you super engaging. You're just good with people. You ever use that gift to, to talk to people about things of the Lord? You got, you're super smart and you, you know, you're able to fix problems. You ever use that, that gift to help other people? To point people back to Christ? I mean, there's all sorts, you go anywhere. You're a good singer. You ever, you ever use that gift to kind of, to maybe get, get on a worship team? I, I don't know. That's between you and God. But the point is that you'll be evaluated for what God has entrusted with you. Same with your money, right? Same with your treasure. You got an extra car and then, you know, your neighbor's car broke down and doesn't have a ride. You're like, oh, here's some money for the bus. Well, that's nice, but the bus doesn't come to where I live, Right? The idea is if you have something that your brother needs and you hold it back, how does the love of God dwell in you? That's what John says, right? And so we're gonna be evaluated that. And your reward, last thing about stewardship, it will be uh, proportionate, right? And what I mean by that is what you are entrusted with, you will be evaluated with. So I will not be evaluated with Bill Gates's bank account. I will be evaluated by Bill Fowler's, what God has given me. It will be proportionate. We live in a world, and, and this, is, this is challenging for some of us. We live in a world that wants f- everything to be fair, right? Everything's gotta be fair. But life ain't fair. If it was, God would not have made five, six people and six, eight people. That's not fair, okay? Everyone will be five, 11, and that would be easier. Right? That's fair. It's not fair, Right? But that's okay because God ordains. God has made some of you super gifted in this and super gifted in that. And he's made some of you super average in this and super average in that. And that is okay. That's, that's, that's his part. Your job is to do, be faithful with what he has given you. And he will judge proportionately. Hold you responsible for, for you, which is great. You don't have to worry about everybody else. I just have to be faithful for me, right? You're not evaluated in other people. And we see this in, in some of Jesus's parables. Parables of the talents. There's, there's, he gives one guy five talents. Talent is a weight. It's not a, like, a, I'm good at something. It's a weight of money. He gives one guy five talents. He gives one guy two talents. He gives one guy one talent. And at the end, when they give an account, the guy with five talents says, Lord, I've made five more talents. He says, well done. And the guy with two says, Lord, I made two more talents. Jesus says, doesn't say, well, he got five. What happened with you? He says, well, no, well done. They get the same response. And then the guy with one that did nothing with it, he says, you're wicked. You did nothing with what I gave you? So, so it's not, oh, I have, to, I have to keep up with him because that, no, that's what that God's gifted them like that. Okay. But there is a sense where you, are, you will be evaluated by faithfulness. There's another parable Jesus tells with 10 minas, which is another form of money. And all the servants get minas, 10 minas. Everyone gets 10. First one comes back. And he has made 10 more minas. And Jesus says, well done. You get 10 cities in my kingdom. Next guy comes back. He says, Jesus, I made five minas. He says, well done. You get five cities. They started with the same, but one made more. 
And then the guy with one that did nothing, he says, you're wicked. But the idea is there's, more, there's faithfulness over here. He was more fruitful and he was rewarded. The point is this, Jesus is just. It is, and he will reward proportionately where he's gifted you, how much uh, talents, how much treasure, how much time, just the opportunities. Uh, and if you're faithful with a little, he'll, he'll, he'll make you faithful with much. He'll give you more. And I, and I don't know, um, it's just an honest moment. I don't know what reward in heaven looks like. God doesn't talk much about what it looks like. So I can't tell you you're gonna have a mansion on top of the hill, you know, and I'm gonna be living in a shack down in the valley. I can't tell you any of that, right? I don't know. But here's what I do know. It's gonna be good, whatever it is. It's gotta be. If Jesus has given it, right? I mean, it's gotta be unbelievable if Christ has given it. And he is just and he is good, Right? And so our desire for you as a church is just for you to stand there, there one day and hear, well done. Man, that's, those are great words. Well done. That's what we want for you. Don't want your money. Don't need your money. What I do want is for you to stand before Jesus and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. If we can stir you up in that way, that's, that's our heart, Right? So four big ideas. Stewards are unattached. Stewards are worshipers. They will give an account and they will be rewarded proportionally. Let me give us some direction real quick, some practical thoughts. Some of these may be you, some of these may not, some of them may, but just five practical directional thoughts for you to think about and then we'll worship. Um, and this is, again, this is super easy for me to approach this because we have a super generous church, just so you know. We're not in debt. Uh, we're giving away a, a lot of money to missions and a lot of things in the year. And so it's easy to talk about generosity to a generous group of people, right? So, uh, but we just want you, I want your present to impact your future. So that's why we talk about it. Here's the first thing. Be very careful with debt. There's some acceptable debt, obviously. Houses, college, cars, you know, there's certain situations. But we have a culture that is enslaved to consumer debt. We just are. And it's crippling. And, and it keeps you up at night. We just want you to sleep. Right? Because some of you can't sleep and there's conflict in your marriage because there's so much debt. And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to do that? And so just be cautious with debt. If you are in thousands of dollars of credit card debt, you need to stop going out to eat. That's just the quickest way people rack up debt. That, that or if you are borrowing eight, ten thousand $10,000 to go on a one-week vacation, you're going to let one five-day vacation uh, you're gonna pay for that for eight years? That's just crazy. Tybee's free. Just drive on out, ride your bike until you get that 8,000 in the bank and then go whatever, do whatever. The point is this, we got unattached people aren't, aren't trying to get more, 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 more and then getting enslaved. And if you need help getting out of debt, I mean, we would love to walk with you that. We have some coaches and some folks that would walk with you in that. Uh, you know, get you some Dave Ramsey, Crown Financial, whatever it is. Uh, but, but just to get help because debt is crippling and it keeps you from being generous and it keeps you from having fun and, it, and it's just a weight that I don't want you to have to bear, right? That's the first thing. Second thing is this, and this is obvious, but this, I think this is a big point. Some of you just need to start giving. You just need to start. Um, I had my, my numbers guys on staff, uh, the guys that kind of run the books, crunch some numbers for me this week. Just, just so you're aware, I know I've said this before, I don't know who gives at this church and I don't know what is given at this church. I, I couldn't tell 
one person what they give. I know what I give, but I could not, like if you're like, well, you just know who gives, I do not. I don't see the books. I don't go to the books. I see the numbers, but I don't see people. So I got no clue who gives. I, ha- I have a good idea because I know some people's hearts, but I, just so you can never say, hey, Fowler is a, you know, being partial to so-and-so because he knows he gives more. I don't because I don't know any of it and I don't wanna know. Okay, so just to understand that. But I did have them give me a big picture of our church. Uh, so for the last 12 months, we had 923 giving units. And what I mean by that is like a family is a giving unit. So if your family is six, but it's just one, you know, that's, that's a giving unit. Uh, if, if, if for just, they gave at least one time in the last 12 months. So 923 different giving units. Out of 923, 49% of those giving units, basically half of them, Half of them, so 400 and, what's that, 60, 61 and a half. 460 of those giving units gave less than $1,000 last year. Less than $1,000 in one year, okay? And I realized some of that is oh, somebody's grandmother gave a check for a missions trip. We got college students, we got high school students, we got people in school part-time. So there's all that in there, but that's not all of that. But that's, that's 50% of our people gave less than $1,000, which means this. Let me put that into a little bit of context. 50% of the people that are here or that are giving here spent more on Comcast last year than on the kingdom of God. All right? And I know how much Comcast costs. $130 for my ripoff plan with phone, internet, and cable. And then have kids sneak a movie in here for $3.99. I'm like, are you kidding me? We had that DVD, but that's another story. My point is, I don't think that's a well done at the judgment seat. I just don't. And I'm not judging anybody. And I say, oh, you can't say that. That's so mean. I'm not being mean. I'm just calling it out as it is. Because my desire is for you here, well done. We spend more on food in the kingdom sometimes. Eating out. Right? And I, I think that we need to just hear that and be aware of that and encourage you. And if, you're, if you don't give, I just encourage you, start small. If you're like, man, we're so tight. Start small. Right? And, and I promise you, you're not gonna starve. I promise, right? You're not gonna starve, you're not gonna die. And if you do, I promise when I get to heaven, I'll be like, I'm sorry, dude. I, you're the only one I've ever heard of that that happened to. <laughs> because God takes care of his children, right? right? It's just the way it is. And, and we can talk about how much and all these things. And, and um, I would say this, um, I always counsel people when we're talking about money. I, the Old Testament, they had what was called the tithe. It was a, it's a numerical thing. It's a 10%. There's actually three tithes in the Old Testament. There's two tithes a year and one every three years. So it's actually technically 23 and a third percent, which I'm pretty sure not many people are tithing that. But uh, I would say the tithe is a great place to start, right? Where you are, because it's in essence, what you're saying is I trust God with 90% of my stuff more than I can handle 100%. And I know that's scary for some of y'all. It, it is, I get it. Because fear and, and ownership are two things that, that hinder stewardship. But I promise you, I've seen it a thousand times. God has a way of providing. And I saw it when I was in the seminary, making $24,000 a year, two kids at home, a mortgage, had to pay for my own health insurance, had a wife that didn't work outside the home. And every month, I got paid once a month on the first, that check got there. And I wrote that check for $217 to the church. And it was a hard check. Because we, but I never starved. And at the right time, you know, Sarah's Aunt Louise would send us $1,000. Someone over here would send us $100. Someone would do this and take us out the, I've seen it 
A thousand times I've heard stories I could share with you. I'm just saying God knows how to come through when we trust him. So I say start small, right? I'd say start small, uh, trust him in that um, and, and see what God does, right? And it's a heart issue. I know you're like, well, heart's not really in it, but your heart will, find, your heart will follow your wallet. Take a step of obedience, take a step of faith. And again, I don't, I don't need your money. I'm not saying this because we need your money. I don't need your money. I don't want your money. It doesn't go to me anyway. And God doesn't need your money anyway. I mean, if you make $47,000 a year and you tithe $4,700 a year, do you think God needs your $4,700? He's like, man, I, I was short until they tithe. Great, I'm glad we're, we're good. Now we can cover the mortgage in heaven. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money, but he does want your heart. And that's a hard issue. It's a worship issue, all right? And that's the third thing. Examine your heart right? Um, and there's a lot here. Why do you give? Are you giving to see, so people can see you? So if they can say, woo, you gave a lot, hey, to get in this guy's beach house, to get on, you know, if that's the motivation, to get applause, Jesus says, your reward, you have in full. So give in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward. That's why we do the boxes, by the way. Uh, you know, no, one, no one's passing a plate, no guilt. I mean, I remember times and I'm like, I wonder if they realize I get paid every other week. I'm not tithing because I even get paid. I feel guilty. And I'm like, why do I feel guilty? I'm gonna throw a 10 spot in just so I can make him happy. God knows. So we've eliminated that. We have boxes in the back. We've done it. I mean, in the beginning when we did it, people were like, oh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? You know, funny now how COVID hits, everyone's got boxes. We are cutting edge before them. <laughs> the, the offering plates. But See, the reason we do that is it's in te- you have to be intentional and purposeful, and it's a test of your heart, because no one's going to see you. You got to do it. This, this is actually why I, I do mine online. I mean, I ain't going to lie. Bank of America has a little bill pay. The first thing that comes out on payday is my tithe. It goes right to the church. It's an act for me of, okay, the, this is my first, right? Because what happens if you wait till the end, you pay all your bills, and you're like, oh, I'll give what I have left. What's going to happen is you're going to have, you know, this much left and you're going to have to choose between giving and taking the family to Chick-fil-A and Oreo milkshake's going to win every time. All right, so we give off the top. It's purposeful. There's an intent there. No one can see you. Uh, so it's a hard issue. I, I'd say examine your heart if you've gotten a raise a couple times the last year, couple years and you're giving to things that's not, not increased. Um, and, and another thing is, is the idea of control and uh, when you give, are you releasing control? I mean, if you get to the end of Truman and there's a guy and you're like, uh, I feel like God wants me to give him five bucks, but what is he gonna do with it? Hey, if God's leading you, give him five bucks, that's God's deal. You just give him the five bucks. You can't control that. And we do it in churches all the time. Well, I'll give to this if you do this. You're, not, you're giving to God, not giving to me, right? And so there's an idea of just search your heart when you give and what's going on behind there. Here's an Another thing, and I think this isn't controversial, but some people disagree with me, but I think I have biblical foundation for this, is I think that the, the lion's share you're giving should go to the local church. So if you belong to this local church, that it should come here. If you're streaming and you're living in you know, Kalamazoo, it should be going to your Kalamazoo church. Um, and, and, so, and here, here's why. Okay, um, and I know, I know that this sounds so self-seeking. You're like, oh, of course you wanted to come to the church because you work at the church and get paid by the church. I do and I do, and it doesn't mean I'm wrong, okay? Uh, but there's an there's idea is Jesus has ordained the local church as his bride to carry the gospel to the world. That's, that's the vessel in which he, he is doing it. It's not that he doesn't use parachurches and other things, but he does it primarily through the local church. This is a unique place where there's authority and care from birth to death, 
right? And that's the nature of the local church. Uh, the Old Testament model, they tithe to the temple and to the Levites. Why? Because that's, those are the people who fed their souls. Those are the people who, who went in between as, as their, uh, to offer sacrifices. And I think the consistency is, is similar with the local church, right? And it's not to say you shouldn't give to other things outside of local church. We do. We've supported everything from Christian radio to seminary students. Do we feed a, a little girl in Guatemala? We do all sorts of things. But the lion's share of my giving goes to the local church, right? Uh, and I think that is a good model um, for us to do and to see. And, um, it's, and, and what happens here when you give here, just so you know, we're not like, oh yeah, we got giving where everyone's getting a raise. It's not, we usually end up funneling those resources that come in back out or we're trying to. Right, just like in Acts, when the uh, people are selling a property and bring it to the apostles' feet, the apostles are, are distributing as there's needs. When you give here, just like the, the Macedonian churches that are trying to help Jerusalem and, and Corinthians, uh, when you give here, you do, you don't, there's so many things that you're, you're, you're investing in all over the world, not just in this neighborhood. I mean, that's one thing where we're gonna be doing this, this school endeavor this year. You're investing in that, but you're investing in, we have three or four pastors in Cambodia, we pay their entire salary. They work full-time in ministry because of you. We have one guy in Kazakhstan, he works in full-time ministry because of you, right? We support uh, two sisters in Ukraine who are running a pregnancy center, a pro-life center in the Ukraine because abortion in the Ukraine is huge. Every baby that is saved, you have a part of that. Not to mention Thrive, the Savannah Care Center, Living Vine, all the things we do just locally. Right? We work with refugees. We work with adoption and fostering and people in our church that are trying to do that. We help them. We help pay people's bills who lose their job because of COVID and all these things. We paid mortgages. We put new air conditioning units in. I mean, we, we're doing stuff all over the globe. Right? We're investing in pastors through REACH, the Mesh Richards uh, organization who, who's come here and preached a couple times. I mean, we just got stuff all over the place. We're sending people. And every time you give we funnel that out. We've, we have, as a church, already provided three different unreached people groups with portions of the Bible, right? We've done three, we've done a people group a year. We've given well over $100,000 each year to do that. We're gonna do another one this fall. My goal is for us to do 20 in 20 years, that we will have reached 20 different people who don't have any copies of the scripture and CBC will provide that for them. That's a huge investment, huge we have given over $100,000 to another local church so that they can build a bigger facility so that they can preach the gospel down at Beulah Baptist. So every time you give here, just understand, it's going back out and we're funneling it towards the kingdom. And when you stand before Jesus, the people, and I can't tell you where, you know, Middle East that got the, the scriptures because us, Jesus is gonna say, well done. They heard about me because you did this. You didn't even know it. This baby was saved, went on to do this, had an impact for the kingdom because you gave. It's God's economy, right? And so uh, I, th I think that the local church is a place we, we start all that to say. And the last thing is this, just keep your eyes open. Look for opportunities, pray for opportunities that you can use your time, treasure, talent. I've already given you an opportunity with your time, right? If you wanna be part of what we're doing in this neighborhood next couple weeks, months. But just keep your eyes up, pray, God, let me see a need that no one else sees and then meet it, right? Meet it. Buy this person groceries. Uh, help them with their car, their, get their AC fit, whatever. If you're keeping your eyes open and up, God's gonna show you places for you to be generous, to not be attached, right? 
um, and you will see your future change. This is the vision we want, right? I mean, think about this. In a million years, million years, I mean, you will be around in a million years. You'll either be with Jesus or separated from Jesus. That's where everybody, one of two places. But in a million years, let's let's say you have 20 20 years more to work in your life. You're making, you know, $60,000 a year. What if you gave $6,000 a year for 20 years? That's 120K, right? That's, That's a significant investment in the kingdom of God, right? In a million years, you're gonna look back at that 120K and be like, man, I should have bought a boat with that. Oh, I could have gone on the rivers all the time. Oh, I should have got new cabinets. Man, those old cabinets, they didn't hold, they didn't hold plates like the new cabinets would. Or are you going to say, man, I am glad I invested in that. I can promise you in a million years. And I'm not down on boats or cabinets, so don't hear that. What I am saying is, where do you, what do you want to hear at the judgment seat of Jesus? I want you to hear well done for all of us. So I'd encourage you in that way to, to think about that. To ask God, what does this mean for us? Don't, don't just say, oh, you're another sermon on money. Oh. It's not a sermon on money. It's a sermon on following Jesus. That's what it's a sermon on. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna follow him uh, because he loved us and he gave his life for us that we could be with him forever. So just, we're gonna sing one song. Reflect, think about it. What does God want you to do? Maybe he doesn't want you to change anything. Praise God. Maybe he does. Just don't, don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. We want to follow him in scripture, in prayer, in engagement, in community, in our stewardship, right? That's what being the church looks like for us. Let me pray. Why don't you stand and we'll sing. Father, I thank you for opportunity to be generous to give. You have been generous with us. You gave all you had, your son. And so we look to him as our model for generosity. We look to you as a, a father who, even though we were alienated and reconciled, you gave yourself. And so we're grateful. Pray for our church that we continue to be generous with each other, with others, uh, and that we would store up treasure where there's no moths or thieves, uh, but that where we will, we will rejoice forever that we invested in something that lasts. In Christ's name I pray, amen.